Hello, this is Ben, one half of this Night Movie Podcast. I'll be taking a short break, turning my microphone over to our guest host, our dad, for this special two-part Tonight Movie episode on the film Fun and Fancy Free. Have a great week, everybody. And we are back with Tonight Movie. My name is Sarah, and for once, I am actually not joined with my dearly beloved older brother, but I am joined with my dearly beloved father, Mr. Al Turner, head of the Al Turner Company, CEO, the big man in charge, the big cheese. Ben and I have talked about him numerous times uh, throughout a variety of the films and things that he likes, such as Das Blut, Das Blut, Das Boot. Maltese Falcon, I think probably sometime in Arrival, I don't know, but just the, for a variety. Maybe we'll have our mother on here at some point. Would you like to say a few words? Well, I was waiting for the welcome, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Papio. <laughs> Wel- like that, welcome, Papio. No, no, welcome, Papio. I appreciate it. I have to say, first and foremost, congratulations on the, you know, the success of your show here. I think it's great, and I'm glad it was a great idea when you came up with it and you pitched it to me. <laughs> walking back from building to building at their old university. Should we plug him? William Jessup? <laughs> yeah, there we go. But yeah, I'm glad uh, I am glad I got a chance to be on you. I guess is uh, being your first special guest, that's kind of kind of cool. I think so, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. yeah you are, because we... Yes, you are. And what a great film you picked. Yes, so today we're actually talking about Fun and Fancy Free. It is Mm -hmm. a package film that the Walt Disney Company did in 1947. It was one of, I think, one of six or seven, but so at the case, the course of the 1940s, it's a musical fantasy, and it essentially tells two stories. And it's a combination of animation and live action. You have three animating directors, Jack Kenny, Bill Roberts, and Hamilton Lusk. And then for the live action director, it was William Morgan. Mm -hmm. So... The film, as I said, broken into two separate stories. The story of Bongo, a circus bear, narrated by Dinah Shore, and then the story of Mickey and the Beanstalk, which is essentially a retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk, narrated by Edgar Bergen? Bergen. 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 (laughs) A ventriloquist. And the character Jimmy Cricket, we would see him uh, earlier in Pinocchio. He Mm kind of guides us throughout the story and um, to the narrators, and he listens along. So he's kind of a side character, but also our guide. And as I said, combination of animation and live action. And the live action is done in color at this point, which is... And color at that point was a hit or miss, as we saw with Casablanca a couple years prior in in 1941. It's in Mm -hmm. black and white. This one is all in color. And as I said, fourth package film that Walt Disney Studios would create in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit of fun fact about uh, just these package films. They were essentially done to save money during the war, World War II and after World War II because they just didn't really have much of the finances. And it actually worked out in their favor because with doing these package films, it was able to create some of our favorite Disney movies today, s- such as Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan all released in the early 1950s and helped fund it. Now I think I have talked long enough (laughs) (laughs) because I will, if you think that I ramble on and talk a lot, you have yet to meet my father. (laughs) This is, he is who I get it from. Don't hire me for your commencement address. (laughs) I think that's the kicker there. You know, I'll tell you, you mentioned, you were talking about some of the prelim on this bongo was written by upton sinclair and it was a short story and it was very interesting because back then 
newspapers and you know, they were primarily in some of the more some certain magazines were definitely some of the more uh, prevalent entertainment mediums of the day. And <clears throat> Bongo was one of those short stories. And, and uh, I don't remember if uh, Walt was pretty much, um, I guess I'm more like him because he's older than me, but he was one of those guys that controlled and, and really came up with the, uh, and a green light at all the stories they did. And he was the one that found Bongo and, uh, and approved it. And I appreciate why he did it. It was, it was a unique it was a unique metaphor, the story itself, but especially for a guy like Upton Sinclair to to have uh, Sinclair it. Lewis. So I'm sorry, so I'm sorry. Not you got the Sinclair. Sinclair Prize. Sorry about it. Sinclair Lewis. That's the one note I don't have in front of me. Well, I won't make too much of an idiot out of myself. <laughs> Anyhow, the, I do it all the time, so it's fine. Yeah, fair enough. The um, the thing I also like about it, in addition to the live action, there's actually three. There are three entertainment mediums going on here. You've got animation and live action, but then with Edgar Bergen, especially with his popularity on the radio, but he was a ventriloquist. So you really have three three things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, to my knowledge, I have not seen that repeated, um, except in a forthcoming Al Turner Company release. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, it's a really neat uh, it's a really neat combination, and they did it in a very unique way. You you know you brought up the whole um, the whole package film concept. Package films were rarely used, and that's the very other interesting thing. Um, they Bongo is kind of a one act kind of deal, and they didn't have how could you take that and stretch it out into some you know to a to a feature like film, and uh, that was. It was the same way. What was this? The second uh, film, the Jack and the Beanstalk, kind mm-hmm. of the same thing. So it was a great way of combining work that was done. The Disney Studios, as is very popularly known, was kind of taken over by the U.S. government during World War II, yeah. and that's they kind of were working on these things at the time. The other aspect to this that makes this particular film, this particular film, really interesting. Uh, interesting and fascinating is that it was one of the first films done after the Disney strike. Uh, that oh. was huge. Am I wrong? It was in yes, production, but it was yes done and in no. But we'll get, right? yes and no. Okay. Um. So essentially, thank you Wikipedia for provi- for providing this lovely information. Um. I think that, yeah, twenty years now. So God bless yeah. them. Yeah. So it was it was kind of a combination of things. So okay. we had they were doing Fantasia. And that was when, yeah, the animators, Bill Cottrell okay. and T. He, they pitched the idea of retelling Jack and the Beanstalk with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. They told Walt, Walt, he liked the idea, but he wasn't really willing to fund it, as apparently he quoted, mur- he said, murdered his characters. Eventually, though, they were able to convince him, and it was um, later renamed, Jack, like, Mickey and the Beanstalk to the Legend of Happy ba- Valley, and mm. then later back to Mickey and the Beanstalk. And they started the production in May of 1940. Yeah, okay. So they, they started it at that point. And then it was originally Bongo and the and Mickey and the Beanstalk were both originally supposed to be separate feature films. That's how I understood yeah, it, Yeah, they too. weren't supposed to do that. And but so, they were not. The thing of it is about that, that's where I was coming from. They were not long enough to be – they couldn't get them long enough because they're not – those two, those two films are not very long individually. They actually, they from what I did from fine though is that they 
they did have other stuff they could have added in, but they kind of shrunk it down to be a package film together. But with The Legend of Happy Valley, it took six months to make. It was low budget. But by the time they finished it, that was when the Disney strike came. And then World War II and then foreign markets and everything. So at Perfect that point, storm. They basically everything happened. So they had not only shelved that, they, they had shelved that one. And I think later on, actually no, later on when they were doing Bongo, and when then you mentioned the U.S. military coming coming in, yeah. they had shelved Bongo, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan. And the latter two were later released. And then at some point, the Blend of Package films were kind of being released. And then they're like, okay, we'll do Bongo and Happy Valley together, released in 1947. So it was all a giant whirlwind, and I completely interrupted you. I am sure, so sorry. Sure, that's okay. Well, you know, the other thing that I see on this one is... You had the perfect storm at the studio. That yeah. was good. But it actually worked out really well because the I think if they had done both of them separately, I'm not sure they would have done incredibly well. Oh, no, at the box not office. at all. I mean, I do not know how you would take a, basically a 30-minute story in each and have them stand alone to try to at least get an hour out of the deal. But, uh, but you, the other thing that worked out really well in this case, um, and I don't recall, do you have it there, the release date? On this? Uh, it was in September of 1947. Okay. The, the really interesting part about this also is that the 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 kind of the mid uh, the mid section, the transition section um, from Bongo to the Happy Valley uh, deal, when it, bringing in Edgar Bergen, Edgar Bergen um, <clears throat> and his and his ventriloquist. Uh, puppets um had really risen to fame during world war ii uh to extreme fame they had kind of been around prior to world war ii at least our involvement in world war ii but they were a very big radio uh part of the golden age of radio and i think that that their marquee value really drove this particular deal also dinah drove it really well dinah shore same exact thing yeah. okay she and, they were meant and to you, for a mass audience that's well, what they oh absolutely meant. and if you look in the if you and when you look at the other uh some of the other um voicing uh voicing uh singers etc and the groups that were involved in this thing um they were all big in the golden age of radio uh in fact mm-hmm. being a gold a, a radio old time radio kind of freak if i want to call myself that just a little uh, bit connoisseur connoisseur how about that at least of a couple specific shows i happen to recognize some of these guys on those shows um so i, I really was impressed with if there was a perfect storm to shut things down and to slow things up at the studio there was also a perfect wave of good weather to bring this film forward um i know we're going to get into some things in a few minutes but especially when it comes to the the uh, des- the uh, production design and the cinematography mm-hmm. if you will of this thing um it was very it was a l- even though it was done quickly there was a lot of incredible talent poured into it um more so than i think some of the other package films i'm not I was not impressed by um, the Melody Time, another package film. I just could not get my head into that. Yeah, I just didn't. It didn't have the je ne sais quoi, so to speak. Same with Mr. Ichabod. Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I didn't mind. Right. I didn't mind the Ichabod one, but the Mr. Toad freaked me out as a child. And Mm -hmm. like, I think I rewatched it a couple years ago, and still kind of freaked me out as a child. Not as much as Brave Little Toaster, but. 
it was on that. <laughs> yeah. Brave, we'll get I it. I thought about that one. Brave yeah. little toaster. I'm sorry. Maybe that ought to like, be Like a little one, side yeah. tangent on that one. The air conditioner conditioner thing scared in the Brave Little Toaster absolutely scared me. I did not like it whatsoever. I had nightmares about that freaking thing. I don't remember that. I rem- I, I, I would have thought that the uh, vacuum cleaner would also, have given you okay, problems okay, more than the okay. air conditioner. Also, yeah, the vacuum cleaner, and then at one point when they're in the, like a junkyard or something like that, mm-hmm. or, like mud, and they're like, you know, all about to die. It's a very... Sorry, it's a very, like, kind of sick, sad, and really dark film. Like, and I think also made by Disney. Like, no, I'm that sorry. one wasn't. And I, I think, think it wasn't Disney. What's really, it might, it might have been released by, by that Disney, company, yeah. but it, but ironically, it was very, very, very it French. Was... <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 side tangent, yeah. yeah. Don't like Brave Little Toaster at all. Mom thought I did at one point. I don't know that I had a huge problem with it. It was, um, there were some definite parts to it that were a little bit bizarre. Also, the attic. I'm sorry. I'm remembering you know, so much. It actually, you know, if if since we're tangenting briefly on the Brave Little Toaster, the, the score on Brave Little Toaster had some moments. Um, the songs... Eh, Not focused on that. I got to give... Um, <laughs> But I got to give the uh, the music composer on that one, who I believe I'll remember his name in a minute. But anyway, he did okay. He was part of the big uh, one of the big composing music scoring um, families down in Hollywood. Oh so anyway, it was uh, by the way, it was British. It was American British, not French. Not. Well, there was definitely I know <laughs> no I know there was it may have been a British uh, production company. But David was, Newman. Have you, David Newman, that was the guy. David's done a really good job. In fact, we've uh, we've noodled about with David for some of our stuff here, where I can't get involved in the uh, score. But anyway, the um, it was they were French. It may have been a British production company, but when you look at the credits on there, it's got French animation houses all over the place. But yeah, but uh, I, pro- I can't. We can't. I can't. That. I can't credit the the uh, the animation houses for a scary character. <laughs> you know, it's you got inanimate objects, which you know it kind of it's you know it is what it is. But anyway, yeah. anywho, but, back to fun and fancy yeah, free. Back to back to F and F, right? Um, so I think that there was a lot of. Maybe because it was one. Was it the first of the package films? No, the first of the package films. So he, the order goes from Saludos Amigos. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm butchering yep. my Spanish. I did not take That's Spanish. Right. Um, the three Caballeros make music mine. We're all yep. for the first three, mm-hmm. and then you had Fun and Fancy Free, then Melody Time, and then the Adventure Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Mm-hmm. And those were all cased throughout the 19. 19- so 40s. what's really cool is that um, it would be really interesting to know when the animators that did Fun and Fancy Free, quite specifically um, Bongo, when that was done, and uh, specifically because I think that it was done. I think it was done after Dumbo because it was supposed to be a it, sequel to Dumbo, but then it, it just did, it didn't fully flesh out. And if you look at, they didn't and, explain why. They're just like it just didn't really happen. Well, I can tell you. Well, I know why actually because um, and this came from a, an animator that, uh, well, an animator, a production animator that was with us for a while. Um, I wonder if I should give his name a shout out. Do I give him a shout out? If you want to. Yeah, it might be kind of fun just for kicks and giggles. He's an animation director. Uh, was with us uh, for a while, fleshing out one a couple of our films. Chris Kelly. Um, uh, him and I were talking one day, and he we were discussing the um, 
we were stuck discussing the setup for our, our studio here. And one of the things that he we were talking about was um, what was the big complaint about a couple times. Um, you know, the big strike. And there's a lot of was a lot of politics involved in that, and a lot yeah. of emotions and things like that. But one thing that uh, that Mr. Kelly did bring up that I thought was very interesting was that um, the working conditions for the animators um, and some of the other slightly under the animator workers was really quite excellent. In fact, they were state of the art and they were incredibly luxurious. Um, they would be equivalent to a Google's. Uh, executive or something like, or even the underlings at the, uh, the you know the the programmers at Google, where they're fed all the time, they've got access to anything they need, that kind of thing. That was the level they were at, and I think it really reflects because after the strike, uh, they started doing things with sh- uh, a lot more shortcuts, um, <clears throat> animated animation mm-hmm. shortcuts. Where I notice it, Sarah, quite frankly is when I look at Dumbo and I look at the backgrounds and I look at Bongo and I look at the backgrounds, to me, they're, they're completely different. The level of backgrounds in, uh, in Bongo, in Fun and Fancy Free, actually, specifically, is just, just top-notch. Um, I love yeah. that. I love that look, but it's clear that they spent some time trying to, uh, trying to work that through. And when you get to Dumbo, I just don't see them quite, it feels more like a Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning cartoon, um, or some of the stuff you would see on Cartoon Network now. There wasn't, it looked rushed. These others were, you can see the, the brushwork and the ink and painting and all that that was done. It just was top-notch stuff. And when you look at it on a low-quality set, or if you look on it on a high-res uh, screen. It, it really stands out extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on that, when we're, before we move on to the, the se- next little section here, the other thing that overall about the film that I really liked was that I think stands out among all the package films is they is not only did they have the three different uh, really performance mediums going on, but the performance quality of all three mediums was was yeah. in my opinion was a, you know a level nine. I don't know if it's a ten, but it's a level nine at least. That played very well for the marquee value overseas, uh, where they needed entertainment at the time. Mm-hmm. And as things went on, um, I don't know if you've noticed, Fun and Fancy Free. It's it doesn't get much attention. It doesn't really because I will mention it to people. And they kind of look at me like, what, like, what the world is I've that? I've seen Pocahontas, but I haven't seen that. Or I've seen Aristocats, like, but I haven't <laughs> seen that. I, th- like, I think it's also important to note is that we, and by we, I'm kind of just specifically saying our family, probably just mostly dad and I, and I think I include Ben and possibly our mom. Our mom is not terribly into, she's into film, but not in the sense of the way the three of us are. Mm -hmm. um she's got her we all have her own like huge sets of standards like i think what was it um i think this is coming out i don't remember if this episode is coming out before or after casablanca but i think it was in the casablanca episode to where um i think you or ben had come up with the idea of going into a film with such low expectations in order in order to be hopefully um like happy Mm -hmm. um what's the can't think of the term i'm um pleasantly surprised that's a term i'm looking for and we and so we kind of all have our own renditions of that and our mom's not like 
she's into film but more of like kind of into like the basic story but consumer okay yeah she's def- definitely that um but we we like a lot of old disney and when i say old disney we're talking about a lot of the hand-drawn and i think um like kind of that era and i think i would say probably up until i i like that kind of disney up until probably sometime in the 80s various um i just also like 80s movies in general but that's an entirely different thing and that's kind of we like that for that kind of up until then disney films in terms of animation wise Mm -hmm. because um the way it was drawn and it was hand drawn and you could see the craft and the amount of work that went into it well that's as well, a, well that's also, a great word you just used what? and you're probably right what, that what word some was of it? this some of this is uh you know for a special of another time but i'm going to but i i think it bears noting using that word craft the oh, yeah, uh, you know without without really stepping on anybody's work nowadays oh, no. <clears throat> or even post 1990 uh there is a certain quality to the i'm not even going to say the characters or even the character design but definitely in the backgrounds Mm -hmm. i just notice something something that's much better the craft part of it i i i i don't know if the craft of animation or the craft of yeah the full craft of animation has has it's definitely morphed with the advent oh, of digital, yeah. but uh, I'm not necessarily sure that it has morphed in a. Uh oh, here we get controversial. Um, uh, if it's morphed in a, in, a, in a proper in a proper way, the and I think that's what you're trying to get at when you look at the those just the the production design alone. It's not meant to emulate anything real and make it photorealistic, mm-hmm. which I think is definitely a, a, a topic for another time um, that would be fun to dive into if you choose to do another special with your with your papa son here <laughs> and again. Um, but I, I like, that's part of what I really like about Fun and Fancy Free. I think I've watched that. I, I mean, you know, we've watched that to collectively, you and I. I don't even know how many times. In the last year you know, a good half a dozen times or more, um, he probably, or more. And there's Definitely. darn good reason for it. It's not that it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's overshooting or shadowing music or anything, or it's not overreaching, you know, score, because I don't think it's a great score. But, but the performance and the, the look and feel, my gosh, uh, when I, the opening sequence of Jiminy Cricket in that leaf boat, mm-hmm. which is strangely mirrored. I'm happy go lucky fellow. There you go. That's right. And, I'm, uh, I'm deaf tuned or what, like, what's the term? Huh? Like not tone deaf? Tone deaf. There uh, you go. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you could be with your mom on that. Um, <laughs> the, the, that opening sequence. And I don't think Hal Smith did the voice of Jiminy Cricket. I could be wrong. I think somebody else was doing Cliff it. Cliff Edwards. Cliff Edwards did it? I okay. believe so. I'm looking at my notes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was. Okay. So I, but that opening sequence, I, I, there's such a, there's some, it's basic originality, but it is, and there's nothing extraordinary about, about the sequence from a environment standpoint, but it is so well done. And I don't see that in Ichabod Crane or the other ones. Um, and then when you get to, uh, oh, well, I can't wait till we talk. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, okay, hold on. I, I don't know when we're going to get to the Jack and the Beanstalk part, but I'm going <laughs> to tell you that I have a uh, – there is there's a particular scene in Jack and the Beanstalk that every time I watch it, I have to remind myself there was no computer involved in any way, shape, or form. Are you talking that. about when the Beanstalk grows? Yeah. Okay. I look, you yes. know, I, it, it hit me. You know, it's how many times I watch this thing, and mm. all of a sudden I'm going – I finally looked at it, and I went, wow, that was never done by computers. I mean – in uh, what's the uh, <clears throat> what is the detect the great mouse detective? Oh, that's that's was, also a good one. Yeah, they used they had to. It, there was a clock tower, uh, Big Ben in London. That, oh, that one sequence, of my favorite scenes in that and movie. And it was and they had to do it and they used computer and they even uh, to sketch out the camera angles and they even talked about how how important it was to be able to pull that scene off. And I'm thinking, wow. Let's look at when you did back in the 1940s, and the animators mm-hmm. pulled that off. It was really a brilliant sequence, and look, it, it, it didn't take them forever to do it. That's interesting. That that's the part that got me on. Because well, yeah, piece, it took them about six months to create to create just um, Happy Valley yeah. in general. Uh-huh. Um, the Happy Valley that was the original story, and it, then I don't remember how long it took Bongo, but I know by the time Pearl Harbor happened, they had finished the script at least. Okay. Um, Which means they probably got the storyboard done. Well, anyway, that just in, in globally speaking, I think that's one of the things I liked about that I, I continue to like about the film. It, it, glo- again, globally, is mm-hmm. the is the level of animation. I guess primarily, Sarah. I think primarily it's in the backgrounds. Um, I just the character animation obviously is good and uh, they had been very well practiced at that and if you look at most of character animation since you know before digital pre-digital I think it's been pretty solid the uh, it's really the backgrounds that have changed and that have gone a certain direction and I if I was going to point out something um about the film to somebody who hasn't really paying attention, I'd say, you know, watch it, then watch it again, and really look at those backgrounds and the and the the some uh, your artist friend, which I know we can't mention her name, but your artist friend, I would if she if she saw that, I would say, look at those backgrounds, look at the the level of detail. Now compare that to mid seventies and then mid eighties and nineties and on at a time. Mm-hmm. So that is. I mean, we already briefly touched on cinematography, so I'm happy about that. I will say one thing on just the cinematography itself is, I like you, like the, the hand drawing and the details, especially in the background, but I also felt that nothing was, nothing felt too overboard. Does that make sense? As in, there was, as, as I also don't like, not a huge fan of like major jump cuts, mm-hmm. like in general, um, Ben has heard me rant on that on numerous occasions and whenever there's the and whenever there's like multiple jump cups jump cups just back to back to back i'm like oh my goodness i'm gonna get a headache right now if you continue (laughs) doing these i will say i like that the fact that the jump cuts they were not excess cuts sorry yeah what oh i can't say that we're not supposed to mention products I didn't, he- I didn't even he- know. What- headache medicine cuts. So I was trying to come up with something other than oh i couldn't yeah. i didn't hear what you said sorry um Ibuprofen cuts. There we go. Sorry. (laughs) Hey, free promo for them. Um, Sorry. I think everyone knows what they are. Yeah. Uh, It was not excessive. And again, nothing was overboard. There was no, there may have not been really like one scene that like stood out to me, but I like the fact that it wasn't that. I'm just jumping on to scenes right now. Um, But I do want to get to the script later. Mm Mm-hmm. 
nothing again nothing again nothing stood out but I can kind of consider that a good thing because it it kind of flowed well together and Am I making sense or am I kind of rambling? No, absolutely. It, it bodes for the use of the, the – they had, I think, really perfected the use of the storyboard for the animation and how important the storyboard in animation is because unlike live filming, you can't you know move a camera around and see what you like best. You kind of mm-hmm. have to make all those determinations up front. <clears throat> and, I, and maybe, you know, something – maybe that is why modern animation – uh, is a little, maybe has been downgraded a little bit because th- if one were to go down that road, the too many options. So they they you don't necessarily have to use the storyboard like you do you know nowadays like you do did back then because nowadays if you if the storyboard doesn't work out you merely change it inside the computer and you make it work from a strictly a camera angle standpoint. Um, back then. To make that, to make those changes was kind There's of a, a big lot. deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, backgrounds had to change because you weren't, you know, making modeling like you are now. So I, I think they had to be a little more precise, and they had to do it quickly. That's oh, yeah. the kicker. So the professional, the professionalism of the animators. Holy, holy moly! Think about it, Sarah. If they were to make this film today, based upon today's work. Would it take, you know, it takes, what, two years to three years to make an animated film today digitally. Mm-hmm. And I would have I would have expected that they that the digital world would cut some of that time down um, to the fact that these things were done. What did you say? Uh, so I didn't actually know this until you mentioned it, that that Jack and the Beanstalk uh, uh, version of, of all that, making mm-hmm. the Beanstalk, Happy Valley, whatever, um, was done in six months. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Which it wasn't bump, released until... Know, I was like six, seven years later, but it was it done was, hanging on the shelf was, there, it, right? It was done, and they say, and the reason why they, like I said, they did it was to save money. And again, it's supposed to be a feature film. There was actually originally Minnie Mouse was actually supposed to be a part of it. Oh, um, they had kind of two versions. Originally, they were going to show how Mickey got the bean magic beans because they don't tell you exactly how he got them. He just says, "Oh, I went oh, to the market. I sold the cow, it. got magic beans." Like right. they, they, they kind of did that and they originally had i think there was a character from pinocchio um kind of selling him the beans or something like that i remember some reading something like that so they have that version that was cut and then they originally had minnie mouse to where she plays a queen and then he gives her the mickey gives her the cow as a gift and in return she gives him the beans but ultimately that was cut mm-hmm. um which makes sense because when i was looking at the like i was looking on wikipedia for the cast it says oh um so-and-so played, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, Ruth something, um, Ruth Clifford, um, play, like played Minnie, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I do not, I'm like, I have seen this film a hundred times over. I do not remember seeing Minnie Mouse, and so that made sense of oh, oh, why they would cut her. And so, and so ultimately they did cut her in the end, but, but I'm thinking to myself, and you mentioned it briefly, there were, I don't think there was really any way they could have made a retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk and make it a little over an hour because between Bongo and um, Happy Valley, it's about 73 minutes. So it's only about an hour, 10 hour and 15 long film. And so it's not terribly long in itself. And Bongo was also originally supposed to have a sidekick. 
Hello, this is Sarah. We will be concluding the podcast of Fun and Fancy Free next week. Look forward to catching up then. Have a great day.